trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Our bestsellers, all they're hyped up to be. The Terrible Book Club explores whether or not you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. If you've ever seen a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. Hello and welcome to episode 132 of the Tower of Book Club. I am Chris, I am actively suffering, and this is Paris. Hello, how is that different from any of our other episodes, Chris? Oh, well, I'm actually sick this time, and I have been for um, at least for like three, four days now. I'm on the upswing, but uh, apologies to listeners if you catch a cough or two. I'm going to try to edit out all the coughs and sneezes here, but... Hey, you know, we're kind of down to the wire on recording time here, so we're just going to try to cram this in while I'm full of pseudofedrine and Gatorade. <laughs> just trying to do our best here. You know, I I didn't think I could hear how sick you were earlier, but now that we're recording, I'm like, oh yeah, you kind of sound <laughs> like somebody stuffed some cotton in your throat and nose. A little bit. A little bit. I'm definitely better than I was in the last two days, which is why we're doing this now. But anyway, this time... We read Boast Gusters by Kai Bilesby. For the first time on TBC, we had a patron ask us to read their own work for the show. We have read people's work before, but never a patron, I believe. Also, for the first time, we're reading a serialized novel. Chapters are released weekly each Thursday and have been since November 7th, 2019. You can find them on Wattpad, I believe is how we pronounce this one. Or in installments on Amazon, we were asked to read the first hundred chapters. There was like 20 more after that, and I feel like the first hundred was enough here. Yes, thank you, Chris. And if this is your first time listening to the show, what we do here at the Terrible Book Club is we read books that we assume will be bad based on their cover, title, summary, or some combination of the three. Uh, sometimes, though, like today, we read books that our patrons, listeners, or friends recommend. So we do the opposite, typically, of what most people do when they're in a bookstore or while they're browsing the internet looking for something to read. Usually, this experiment results in a disappointing read, but once in a while, we do actually end up liking the book. Our content warnings today, uh, in addition to our usual barnyard language, today's episode includes discussion or a mention of anime, violence, and kind of random toilet-flavored internet humor. It's nothing major, just, you know, a lot of big swords and, no, oh, no, someone's eyes got stabbed and you know just kind of general general uh violence like that uh let's see all right our summary our back of the book summary is thus Boastgusters is the story of our universe it follows various anecdotes about our universe separated into parts all with the through line that nothing matters so why not have fun its main appeal is the rich cast of characters and an intense detail to continuity as well as yours truly being the narrator all right, and then our characters in the setting. Uh, basically, the setting is uh, a universe that's very similar to ours, but seemingly entirely based on video games and internet meme slang and general nerd nonsense. Uh, our main characters include the fellas, a group of young friends. We have Kai, Joey, Christian, and sometimes others like Lingo Bingo, French Christian, and Greg. Uh, Kai's dad, Spencer Voorhees. Jiffy Bezos. Mark Zuckerberg. Just just Mark Zuckerberg. No no, no fun spelling or different pronunciation. Just Mark Zuckerberg. I have a theory on why Bezos had to be a different name, but we'll get to that later, I think. Okay. Uh, Kai's sister, Celis, or Celis. Celis. It's, it's a Final Fantasy VI character, Paris. Oh, fucking Christ. <laughs> Miss... Mr. Handy, Willem Dafoe, Mr. Wide, Freddy Freaker, Arnold Schwarzenegger slash The Exterminator, Pee Pee Poo Poo Man, Happy Shirt Salesman, who is also Greg, and then Arch. Um, I did want to mention that even though the main character's name is Kai, 
the main character, despite being named after the author, is not at all like a Mary Sue or an analog for them. They just happen to have the same name. I just wanted to point that out. Uh, that was something that um, the author told us and, you know, just wanted to make that explicit. Uh, that might be a pen name kind of a situation since they are writing this under Kai Bilesby as the pen name. That could be like their narrator name. Or what have you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's definitely not a self-insert in kind of the way that I think we've seen it um, in the past. Anyhow. All right. Um, so, although we... So, we didn't know that Chris was going to be sick today, obviously, on the day of this recording. Um, but unfortunately, <laughs> Chris is tasked with reading the uh, nearly four-page summary that I wrote of the events of this Listen, we try story. Listen, we try to aim for brevity usually in the summary here, but this shit is so wild and out there, and almost nothing matters to such a degree that to, like, to even ha- begin to have an idea of what the fuck we're talking about here, I think we feel as if we should kind of explain nearly everything that happens in here, although we're still going to be glossing over a lot. Yeah, and so typically what ha- I don't know, I don't know why this happened. This wasn't something we planned, but usually on these episodes, Chris will write the summary and then I will read it without ever having read it before, which is, you know, cuz it's supposed to be funnier. And um yeah, so I I did that this time. I wrote the summary this time and now Chris has to read it without having actually gone through it before. All right. I so this is going to take a little bit, you guys. So, you know, strap in here uh and chris if you need to tap out just uh just let me know and i can take over you know seriously because like i know you're sick so if if you're like oh no if i read another sentence i'm actually gonna pass out then then please let me know you got it all right everyone the summary you the reader are floating in the astral void the narrator comes up to you and is like time to tell you a story about my dad spencer Voorhees. clearly he knows you're a captive audience Dad falls into poverty as a child, but eventually harnesses his genius intellect and scores a sick job at Amazon known as Nile.com in this story, where he reports directly to Jiffy Bezos, clearly the stand-in for Jeff Bezos. A few office culture jokes are thrown in. He has a confrontation with the co-worker Pocky, who is a tanuki, a little raccoon-like Japanese creature. During this confrontation, Dad learns that there's a government-run tournament in California sponsored by Nile.com, or at least endorsed enough to get an announcement at work, for people to battle each other in teams using their powers called Chirith, which are seemingly somewhat common. He pairs up with an assassin named Bradled Lore Starcutter. Meanwhile, a Chad named Chadley ascends and accesses Weeaboo Rage Mode. More scenes mocking action and anime tropes follow. Pocky is killed in the tournament and resurrected as a zombie to serve the contestant who killed him. Ascended Chad kills Bradlin. Bradlin goes to hell, where an analog for Cerberus sorts him into the first circle and he is reunited with his friend Kuredo, who died on a ghost train in Vietnam. <laughs> this is paragraph one <laughs> of like 17. I'm just laughing to myself because like, I was pronouncing that uh, that name, the assassin guy, as uh, Bradled. <laughs> I just I didn't know uh, Bradled or Bradled. I I'm not sure. Uh, also, Chris, you do know that Tanukis are real, right? I thought they were like like I I I don't even know. Tanukis <laughs> thought... are real. They're they're also known as raccoon dogs. So they're not related to raccoons, but um, you know, due to the magic of uh, of evolution um they developed raccoon like coloring and and patterning and stuff independently from actual raccoons and their their canids i think they're canids anyway um i will do a quick search but anyway they're pretty cool i just wanted to point out that wow, snookies are actually I thought it was a real just thing. some like fun um, pokemon shit that was happening i learned something new no uh they are they are native to japan um so they are japanese but um yeah, yeah, they are. They're canids. Um, so they're yeah. Imagine a really cute dog that kind of looks like a raccoon fox, and that's that's a thing. Okay, well, we're already going on tangents after the first paragraph here, so I'm gonna just kind of well, barrel forward I, here. I thought that I thought that everyone could use a little a little break after that first paragraph. <laughs> so continuing. <laughs> <laughs> 
dad ascends and becomes the perfect weeaboo and kills Chadley in turn, winning the tournament because he claims Deus Ex Machina reasons killed Chadley and not him. He returns to Nile.com and meets with Jiffy Bizos, where Bizos reveals he's racist against Tanukis. We then move to a meeting of the heads of the U.S. government who are annoyed at the Prime Minister of California for allowing so many participants to die in the tournament. Prime Minister of California then begins plotting the annexation of Vietnam to take over their more advanced Chirith technology. Dad receives the narrator as a baby on his doorstep with a note explaining that the baby is named Christian, is the leader of the boys, and uses its powers to prevent world-colliding catastrophes. Dad renames the baby Kai. We learn that Nyarlotep is the source of Chirith powers. This never comes up again. No, it we, comes up one more time towards the end. Where they I count that as never that again, again Paris. I agree. I agree. <laughs> okay. All right. We then fast forward to the narrator at 12. He and his friend Joey, ace a trick tester, consequently shipped off to fight in the Second Vietnam War, about which they are both stoked. Dad also gets sent to Vietnam. Kai and Joey get to Vietnam and are put in a unit with William Defoe and encounter a ghost tiger and the ghost train that killed Kirado, Bradlett's friend. They conscript Christian, a Vietnamese kid also in the war, to their side, kill Napalm Man, the robot, and resurrect Joey with the energy of the son of the planet Beetlejuice 4 after he is accidentally shot. Dad in you Vietnam. Know, this is much funnier on, like, a shortened reread. <laughs> Dad in Vietnam finds the Vietnamese commander a salamander. His unit is able to kill it with the help of Freddy Freaker, the god of destruction, who is disguised as a member of their unit. Freddy wants Joey due to his growing powers and hints that he may eventually want Kai as well for the same reason. The U.S. gets access to Vietnam's Chirith tech and the Second Vietnam War ends. Beetlejuice 4 wants their star slash sun back and is deploying their best soldiers to all worlds to retrieve it. Beetlejuicean Nick is sent to Earth with an android companion. This is also only brought up one more time ever again. Freddy Freaker kills the California senator from earlier, I guess the prime minister, who started the yeah. Second Vietnam War. Kai and his dad go back to the U.S. after the war is over and have a really weird play fight scene in their yard with their cat Jack. Chadley returns from the dead only to be instantly murdered by dad. We cut to the White Wolf Clan, previously mentioned in passing, discussing how they have to take out Freddy Freaker since he's immortal, and telling everyone their secrets. Joey suddenly thinks he's Hulk Hogan. Their vampire history teacher, Mr. Handy, trains them to defeat him. Several new students enter their class, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Lingo Bingo, a seer, and a third unnamed kid. Schwarzenegger is actually an evil bounty hunter come to murder Joey and steal his star-infused Chirith powers for the happy shirt salesman. They defeat immortal Schwarzenegger by dismembering him, but his body parts are retrieved probably by the happy shirt salesman. Another of Kai's teachers, Mr. Y, turns out to be part of the White Wolf Clan, and his mission is to fail Kai, so Kai confronts him. Mr. Wide menaces Kai with his dancing pivot stick figures and gives him some rhubarb, which Kai bites, discovering there is in fact a bomb inside, but tosses it before it can blow him up. A rival school shoves a jar full of James Madison energy into Lingo Bingo, and since she doesn't have any Chirith, she needs to find a new host for him or kill herself. Joey tries to kill her, but ends up just yeeting himself to hell accidentally. <laughs> Jiffy Bizos begins a mission to kill Mr. Wide because he feels only he may menace people with pivot stick figures. <laughs> Mr. Penton, the principal, is actually Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> Be Jiffy Bizos shows up to confront Mr. Wide and Wide poisons Jiffy Bizos. Christian saves him. Lingo Bingo goes to Seattle. Joey's dad, Yahtzee, fights them briefly while they're on a mission to save Mr. Penton slash Ben Franklin and kill the White Wolf Clan. Mr. Wide loses the will to live because everything he loves will become obsolete, I guess. Mr. Handy sacrifices himself to save Mr. Penton for reasons? Michael Jackson appears as an agent of Freddy Freaker. That's it for that. William Defoe is now in his own reanimator scene with the Russian communism Terminator he's resurrecting in a vat. Egyptian ghost scoop from the White Wolf Clan plants some of his magical green group on Defoe's desk and it fully reanimates the Terminator. Uh, I think you meant goop there. <clears throat> Did I not say goop? I get okay. You said group. Oh. 
Okay, I'll call, I'll chalk that up to sickness. We're like barely a third of the way through here, folks. You're doing great. You're doing great. Good work. <laughs> Joey's vacationing in Maine when an army of giant lobsters attack him. Their leader, the Rock Lobster, blows up the entire state of Maine, and Joey yeets himself to safety in New Hampshire. By the way, when we say he himself, we mean he scream teleports because one of Joey's main powers is to scream and that allows him to teleport, please. Yes, but he only has so many scream teleport eatings a day. Um, and I don't know, I was just really annoyed while writing this and so it be- simply became <laughs> eat. <laughs> he, be- he brings this information to the U.S. government where he finds Willem Dafoe who has pardoned was pardoned for his treason and crimes because of the reanimation technology he rediscovered. He discovers that the reanimated communist Terminator is unbeatable even by him and yeets himself to Mr. Handy's grave to bar Mr. Handy's cheerith sort of ceiling. He fights reanimated communism Terminator and kills him, sucking him into the sword and tells Defoe he can't make any more of these super reanimated super strong dudes. Joey puts the sword back in Mr. Handy's grave and seals it after being attacked by moles. Kai gets the power of Uber and Weeaboo Rage Mode from his dad. Lingo Bingo and Tristan become friends. Schwarzenegger is resurrected as the cyborg exterminator by a robot named Sheevbot who tells him that he must kill any possible threats to the blue bandana androids. Christian is accosted by the vampire Mark Zuckerberg and then runs into his future self who reveals that he is actually Kai's real father. In a cut to Zuckpire, we learn that he stole the one modem that controls all of the internet from Big Ben. Nice IT crowd reference. And by unplugging it, he can stop all of time and life except himself. We also learn that he is the creator of the Egyptian Ghost Goop, and his master plan is to go to the conjuncture of all Chirith energy in Egypt, eat it all, and trap all of humanity in an infinite Facebook timeline. I mean, that does truly sound like the end of things. Not unreasonable, honestly. Yeah. Kai tells you about a meeting a World War One soldier in the dream world one night. That's a weird sentence. Sister Nick and... Uh, I don't remember what this... NSMU NS- is a, a, a helper robot that Sister Nick was assigned on. Okay. On They're f- that Those those guys from Beetlejuice 4, they accidentally land on an illusion planet instead of Earth and are never mentioned again. Kai disobeys his dad and uses Cherith to create life. First, an armless and colorless creature called Archagent Everlasting, who does not want to be alive. And second, a pivot stick figure called Stoog. Kai starts this next school year at New Tech High, which neighbors a prison for giants called Nipamoits, and meets new people. His new Spanish teacher, Senor, is a vampire, and his classmate, Daniel, is yet another powerful kid. Senor, Daniel, and Archagent go on a trip to Costa Rica where Senor promptly abandons them in the jungle and they're attacked by Napalm Man the Robot, previously presumed dead, who cuts one of Daniel's eyes. This fight also kills Archagent who offers his eye to Daniel in death. Zuckerberg rescues Archagent and resurrects him with the Egyptian ghost group, which has a consciousness of its own that Archagent can communicate with since it's now part of him. Senor reappears and explains that the blue bandana androids have been in Costa Rica to find a device that can only be triggered by someone without arms. There's a funeral for Archagent at the high school. Kai vows to avenge his death, and Senor asks Kai, Joey, and Daniel to join his secret organization, the New Tech Defense Squad. Daniel and Joey fight to determine who is stronger, and they discuss the potential of Soviet distribution eyes. Freddy Freaker breaks into the new tech library. Daniel confronts him, stabs him, and fails to render any damage whatsoever. Freddy Freaker tells Daniel he and his Freaker 5 are bent on universal domination. The exterminator suddenly tries to attack Kai and etc. All the rest of these folks that happen to be in the room at the same time, I've also lost track. But it's run over and incapacitated by an Uber that Kai summons. Joey uses his Soviet distribution eyes to suck the life force from the exterminator. Lingo Bingo confronts Kai, Joey, and Christian with Tristan about leaving her to die slash ignoring her. Tristan gets overzealous and shoots Lingo Bingo, killing her. The HSS reappears as their classmate Greg and infiltrates the group. Greg recruits them to go to Egypt and stop Zuckerberg within the next 50 days. Zuckerberg tricks Tristan into agreeing to be his hitman to kill our main protagonist, and the black Egyptian ghost goop becomes his partner. 
For some reason, they have a layover in Japan on the way to Egypt, where Kai runs someone over with an Uber for trying to touch him and ends up in jail. Joey and the rest of the crew rescue him, but then he and Joey decide to fight to decide if Kai continues on with the group or not. Kai wins, I mean, Joey wins, rather, so Kai continues to go along. It's becoming very difficult to keep track of all this. <laughs> Imagine us doing reading great. this at the doing time. Great. The black Egyptian ghost goop possesses Christian and tries to kill Kai. They detach the goop from him and get on a plane out of Japan. Joey smashes a fly on the plane, which disrupts the flight so much that it crash lands in Singapore, killing a few people. They go to a restaurant and encounter a French version of Christian, who is also controlled by the Black Egyptian Ghost Goop. They detach it, and he joins them as they continue on their journey. Kai's sister Salis appears on their boat to India, proclaiming that she too has Chirith powers and now has a poorly rendered Velociraptor sidekick named Scarlet King, who can delete time. They are attacked by Silverfish, and Scarlet King is useless. When they arrive in India, they get a hotel and find Jiffy Bezos hiding inside the fridge in French Christian's room. He is scared because Zuckerberg bought Nile, but French Christian immediately thinks he's a threat and starts attacking him with his French sword of Chirithelium. He in turn is stabbed by a pivot stick figure that Bezos is controlling for protection. French Christian eventually defeats them and Bezos' soul is sucked into the French sword. Original Christian turns out to still be full of Black Egyptian Ghost Goop and attacks Kai again. The Black Egyptian Ghost Goop then attacks French Christian but fails, and as he's escaping, he stumbles upon Tristan shooting Joey in the head. They abandon Joey's body in an alleyway, assuming he will recover due to being fused with the star. They then encounter Salius again, who has since amassed a gang of Russian bikers called the Y-Fighters. One of them attacks Kai and fails, dying. And they get back on a train for some reason. It leaves them in Kazakhstan where Alexander Hamilton randomly possesses Kai. A clone of an agent of the White Wolf Clan, Demon Doe Flamingo appears and attacks them in an attempt to get Alexander Hamilton's Cheerith Essence. He fails. They end up at an Airbnb operated by one of Zuckerberg's henchwomen who seems to be an analog for Baba Yaga. Tristan shows up, tentacles rise from the floor, and they all fight. They succeed in knocking Baba Yaga unconscious and tying her up with the hopes of interrogating her later. However, before they can, King Lice consumes her body with his Lice horde while they're all in a cafe in Ukraine. King Lice then targets Greg with his Lice horde and says he will let the Lice consume him if they don't all follow and listen to him. I don't know, Christian. man. It seems like the least of your problems in Ukraine right now, but that's okay. Uh, Christian uses his water powers to flush the lice from Greg, and then Kai beats up King Lice. Kai goes to get a haircut from an octopus hairdresser in Belarus, but the hairdresser is possessed by Black Egyptian Ghost Goop. They have a brief fight, and Kai is able to separate the Black Egyptian Ghost Goop from the octopus. They next end up in a cafe in Munich where they've run into future versions of themselves. They then go to Slovenia where they see a murderous baby in a pram. The fiberglass walls of their hotel room try to attack them, but they are foiled by Christian. Kai dreams of the murderous baby. On their way to Sardinia, their dreams cause them to flay so finely that the emergency door on the plane opens and they crash land in Portofrero, Italy. Murder baby is still there in the waking world and continues to haunt their dreams. You're almost Joey there, returns. Chris. You're almost there. Woo, woo, woo. Joey returns. The party splits up. Joey and French Christian find a pile of rocks with a smiley face and a crop of trees. The rocks tell them Zuckerberg knows they've arrived and offers to grant them wishes. French Christian wastes his wish on resurrecting his favorite Berean baguette, which return as evil versions of themselves since they were resurrected with Black Egyptian Ghost Goop and attack him. They board a submarine to head to Egypt finally, and the Black Egyptian Ghost Goop gets on board and contaminates their hot chocolate in order to possess them. This ploy fails as they notice immediately and escape the submarine, which is actually a giant puffer fish. They swim briefly and arrive on the shores of Egypt. Greg's henchwomen recruit Tristan to come to their side by paying him twice as much as Zuckerberg offered. Our protagonists fail, fall through a dune into a cave dedicated to the Angel Kai, overseer of the entire cosmos. The actual Angel Kai is also there to scold them into completing their quest since defeating Zuckerberg is essential to the continuation of Earth and humanity. Back up on the sand, Greg's henchwomen appear to pick them up with Tristan in tow. The two women are suddenly killed by a pool of spooky water that appeared in the sand around their dune buggy. 
They quickly discover that this water is being controlled by yet another Christian variant, Blind Christian, who is from a different planet. He was forcibly summoned by Zuckerberg to defeat the group in order to return to his home planet. Tristan shoots him and sort of incapacitates him, but not before Blind Christian blinds original Christian. Meanwhile, Zuckerberg steals the conscious sword, imbues it with the black Egyptian ghost group so it can have a body, and agrees to do his bidding and assassinate our protagonist. Kai, Joey, Tristan, and French Christian drop original Christian at the hospital to get him treatment for his blindness. They encounter the conscious sword cross with the black Egyptian ghost group on the way out and defeat it for the time being. Kai and French Christian go to a barber and the conscious sword convinces the barber to steal it so it can possess him. They all fight, the barber is killed, the conscious sword hides under French Christian's chair sword of stealing to trick French Christian into picking it up, which he does. Kai dislocates his shoulder to force him to drop it and return to normal. Kai punches the conscious sword and shatters it into many pieces, defeated again for the time being. The group continues their trek across the Egyptian desert and comes upon an outhouse with an enormous sock full of shit inside of it. <laughs> Beside it is a rock with a power outlet. That, that's that sentence. A bottle cap leaps from the sand and embeds itself into Greg's back. A woman who is hiding behind the rock laughs to herself about them falling into her first trap. They also follow her second trap at a mall the next day when she makes them both attractive to metals. Riders are about to be hit by a train because they're stuck to railroad tracks. Joey screams to yeet off her leg and the metallic attraction magic is broken. She escapes. A fourth Christian variant appears to how Christian who turns French Christian into a doll. Kai defeats him and French Christian turns back to normal. They confront the woman at a bar. She turns Christian into a potato chip. Greg challenges her next and also gets chipped. Kai beats her in a game of unstable unicorns and de-chips French Christian and Greg. She falls over dead. Tristan reaches Zuckerberg's Cairo mansion. They have a brief encounter and Tristan escapes. Yeah! Woo! The end for now. Excuse me while I fucking die. Wonderful. Wonderful job, Chris. You really, you really okay. did an excellent job. So Wonderful. if that made no fucking sense to you, it's not supposed to. And although, as you said earlier, Paris, it is kind of funny and how fucking absurd all of it is. Can we just start with how it didn't feel that way? Well, well, hang on, hang on. I think you're getting ahead of yourself. Um, I think we have, we have one thing to discuss before we go into things that were good and things that were bad. So when I started reading this, the the magical energy, like the source of magic in this uh, work was called Cheerith energy. And Chris started reading it before me and was certain that it was Chungus energy. I am I remember fucking him, I remember positive, him Paris, that <laughs> at the start me. when I was reading this, I was like, oh, Chungus energy is kind of funny, but that might make it dated in the future when that meme is out of fashion. I fucking promise you it was Chungus the Star Paris, even though later on, when I noticed it switched to Cherith, I went back and it seemed like it indeed was Cherith from the beginning. So either while I was reading this originally, there was some kind of find and replace that happened on Wattpad, Wattpad, whatever, while I was reading this, yeah, or I'm being gaslit by fucking reality. <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't sick when I started reading this, Paris. I started reading this like three or four weeks ago. I know, I, know. I know you were you were way ahead of me, and you were like, "Oh, Paris, this is Chungus. It's like Chungus energy," and I was like, "Okay, that's eh, kind of funny." But then I started reading it, and I remember thinking, "Like, why was Chris telling me about Chungus? Like, Chungus doesn't even appear." And then I said, "I think I said Chirith, or you were reading my notes, and you were like, "What the fuck? It was Chungus." And then you went back, and it was never Chungus. I don't, I don't know, Chris. I don't know if I'm willing to accept that I am just completely detached from reality at this point and i missed something like for the first 20 chapters that i was reading this on excuse me kai for getting it wrong if i did but i fucking swear to god it was chungus at first please let us know what happened there actually i really hope that the author went in and changed it while we were reading it because that is some like a plus level absurdity to fuck with us <laughs> so, um i don't know they wouldn't have known I like, guess that's as true. We, were we didn't. Reading it. That's true. I guess we didn't tell them that we were we were reading it now. We just told them it was on the schedule, and you know we were doing it this year because they requested it. But um, 
I don't yeah. know. I'm I'm willing to accept I'm the dumb one here, and it was so hard to keep track of anything happening in this story, even in the first twenty chapters, which are perhaps the most coherently plotted of all. Well, I I also think that sometimes your um blindness does fuck with your totally perception hundred percent because like Chirith and Chungus are. I could see looking at one and easily thinking it's the other, especially given your your vision problems. So it could be that totally. too. Um, but you know, or you know, or or Terrible works in mysterious ways. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But uh, I tripped anyway. into the fucking parallel reality, and that's what I got so sick. Like three weeks later, is I'm just like coming to terms with being in the Cheerith world instead of the Chungus like variant. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe you're full of lice now. Like, you know, oh, maybe, yeah. who knows? Maybe you're, I don't know, maybe Freddy Freaker is in your nasal passages. Uh, anyhow. All right. Thank you for getting through that summary with us. Uh, things that were good. Things that were good. Um, I think that from a technical perspective, this is like nearly flawless because it's very well edited. There were, I think, only two or three mistakes in terms of kind of everything like sentence structure syntax spelling punctuation dialogue markers like it was it's very meticulously structured from a technical perspective care was certainly put in on this level yes for sure um and yeah the dialogue was was fine which honestly is some of like the harder stuff to write and even though, yeah, sure, the whole thing's absurd, the dialogue still flows well and kind of makes sense in the context of the absurdity or, you know, whichever bubble of absurdity you happen to be in uh, during, during this this story. Okay, can we talk now about, like, the actual one joke that really worked for both of us? Yes, we can. I, that's, you know, maybe putting it a little bit too harshly, and we'll get into, like, humor stuff in text shortly here. But there was one thing that while reading it, we were both like, this is actually some funny ass shit. And that is the part where they got drafted because they passed a pop trigonometry quiz in their like middle school class or something. Or high, I'm not sure. Yeah, they yeah, they were middle school and like Kai and Joey are stoked about it. Like I actually fucking laughed out loud for like more than a few seconds. That That's was a really quality good. joke. That's quality humor and text, I would say there, because it's just so fucking out there and absurd that like all of a sudden there's this pop quiz and they're like the result is that they're pulled out of class because they did like not even like amazing on it. I think they just kind of passed and they're like, okay, time to go to war. And they're like, word, we, this is awesome. Well, yeah, it was just a really good way to make fun of, you know, because it's got layers, right? Because you're making fun of the absurdity of like American imperialism, colonialism, and also the American school system. So it was just a really nicely layered joke. Um, and similarly, I appreciated like all the other associated digs at colonialism and I- imperialism and like white supremacy stuff. Um, there was also like a-, a chakra joke that got me that was pretty funny later on. Um, I also really liked the humor around uh, the character Arch not wanting to exist. He was my favorite character. I can I certainly that, relate. Yeah, I thought that all of all of his lines about like uh, not yeah, just not wanting to be there and like just being like, oh, I guess I'm fucking alive, you know. Like it, I thought that was really well done. He was our window, like the 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 way I could relate to the story because I much I didn't want to be here for a lot of this story either, Paris. Yeah, I also didn't. So Arch Arch and I were bros. We were fucking. <laughs> fist bumping because I was nice. like yeah man I fucking hate being alive too in this story <laughs> I don't want to be here either yeah this is me I have no arms I have no control and I'm just being dragged along <laughs> that's how I felt too um I will say like I didn't I didn't take a close look at all of the comments on Wattpad or Wattpad or whatever however you're supposed to say that but like the way the site works if you've never seen it before is um, you can post chapters of your story and people can actually leave comments on it and give you feedback directly, you know, which is kind of nice. And I just happened on one of the pages to one of the early pages to scroll down and see that someone left like a weird. It seemed like spam. Like it was just this bizarre <laughs> comment. And it was, I think, from someone called Freddy Freaker or something. And the author actually took that straight comment and incorporated it into the story as Freddy Freaker, you know, one of the 
uh, main antagonist in the story. And I thought that was kind of smart. That was I totally really smart. missed that because I'm not going to fucking spend time reading Wattpad comments. But like... Well, yeah, like I said, I just kind of I just happened to see it um, because I just like scrolled down too far on one of the pages accidentally. And then later Good that you did. saw what? Good that you did. Yeah, I know. I was glad I did, too, because I was like, wow, that's totally something I would not have noticed if, you know, for example, we had purchased this on Amazon or, you know, if I had just never accidentally scrolled down that far. And you would think that would have trained me to maybe continue to do that. But it, this was just long and I I didn't have that level of patience as I continued. But I will say, yeah, incorporating some weird spam comment into your absurd story was really brilliant. And I definitely applaud that. It's a good idea. Uh, and, and honestly, overall, speaking of applauding things, like, I gotta say that overall, this is a really good attempt at writing, considering that this was first conceived of when the author was 15 years old. It takes a lot of imagination and effort to create something like this. And hell, we've seen grown adults do a much, much worse job oh, making things that are much sure. more basic and linear. <laughs> so. You know, I wrote some things when I was 13 to 15. Oh, And God, I would rather too. burn in hell forever than let anyone <laughs> ever see anything that could have happened. I'm pretty sure none of it is on the internet anywhere. Mercifully, it was all written in, like, notebooks by hand around Oh, see, then. you were smart. You were smart. I actually, like, several years ago, I... I had, do you ever, all right, all right, listeners, I'm sure you've had this moment too where like all of a sudden nothing really triggers it, but suddenly your brain goes, hey, remember that thing? And you're like, oh, oh no, that <laughs> thing exists. That happened to me a few years ago when I was like in my probably late 20s and I was like, oh my God, I need to make sure that my old journaling sites from when I was like 15, 14 years old, 15 years old don't exist anymore. Luckily, most of them seem to be totally wiped from the internet, even like the Wayback Machine and stuff. But there were, there was one that was, that you could still see. And I had to fucking try to, I had to regain my login information that I didn't remember anymore. Or maybe, no, maybe I did get, I think I did guess the password. I logged in and just deleted everything and I was like, fuck. (laughs) <laughs> that was close. I mean, luckily, the usernames and stuff I had as a kid, like, there's, I don't think there's any way you could, like, tie it to me at this point, but I was just like, God, Might that as was well so just blast it from the face of the earth because, like, yeah. that's, this is a thing that, like, concerns <sighs> me about, like, younger kids having even more access to the internet these I days. Know. It's like, it's there possibly forever. And, like, I, like I said, I would rather burn in hell forever than ha- some of the stuff that I put out when I like oh, on the internet yeah. or even just created when I was that age, like be released, even though, you know, there's some stuff I created, like maybe even early graveborn stuff that I'm like, eh, that's not so great anymore, but I'm kind of leaving up just because graveborn's whole thesis is like getting better over time. And I feel like wiping some of the stuff that I'm not so proud of anymore from like Spotify would be kind of like defeating that whole idea. Oh but- yeah. I don't have any hangups about that. I deleted our, uh, concilium demo cause it's, fucking awful and no one should have to hear it yeah that was partially my fault there sorry about that (laughs) okay but like yeah anyway anyway um i just uh one of the embarrassing like i don't know i had this like this rant that was god i used to chris i so oh man i when i was young when i was a teenager i didn't realize this but i used to type like a fucking misogynist like fedora wearing bro dude like that's how I used to type as a teenager, and I had I totally that's how wiped, most teenagers type. I had totally wiped that from my mind, and then I, you know, when I was like going back and deleting shit from these old journaling sites, I was like, "Holy shit! I was the biggest fucking asshole. I was terrible. I was like, how was anyone my friend at that age? Like, I just, I was just mortified." By the kind of idiocy, I, you know, that I had, I'd kind of become absorbed by. I mean, when you're that age, right? Like so many, like you have so many influences trying to tell you how to be and how to live. And like, it's a very confusing time. You're trying to figure out your identity. But hey, Paris, the the fact that you're cringing at it now means that you've matured and grown as a person, right? It's very true. It's very true. Cringe is a good sign. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, this long rant about how we both suck is actually in service to telling this author, Kai, look, my friend, like you're doing way better than we were at your age. Yes. Can agree. Can Um, agree. This is 
way better than the shit I was writing back then. Yeah, Although we're sure. about to probably get into like the the parts that we found not so great. So, well, yeah, and I I just want to preface you know preface the the things that we didn't like with this because I still want this author to know that there's something worth doing. You know, like this author clearly has a has a knack for writing, even if it's maybe not quite the the flavor that that we like. Um, so, you know, as, as we move into the things that we didn't like, just please remember that we're not saying that this is like total poop garbage, you know? Um, the last good point I did want to say is that the author is very, very clear about what this work is and what it is not. Right at the top, it says, this is, this is just full-blown absurd satire, nothing matters, have fun, um... And actually, I think that's a really good launching point for uh, us to move into things that were not good about this. And I guess I guess it's that, because I am just not into this sort of fiction. Like, this book is not for me. It feels like something you would read as a series of posts on an internet forum, which I guess it technically is. Yeah, like, it, it feels... It feels like being in a long, bizarre, internet-tinged dream. Like, at, at times, it seemed like it was trying to be an entire season of Robot Chicken, if anyone remembers that show, or, like, an anime-slash-internet-trend-themed Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, or, like, maybe even a newer take on the increasingly poor decisions of Todd Margaret. But, sadly, it never really even got close to how funny each of those other things I referenced were at least to me but again I feel like this book is just not for me like I am not the audience for this book so I don't know how valid my opinion it my opinions are about the humor in it or the overall thing because like yeah this just this is just so far from yeah from me I'm I'm not like an internet person i mean yeah i like video games and i'm i'm a nerd but not in not this not this particular strain of nerd yeah. i guess like i i just felt like i was i felt like i was missing a lot like i was just like well i don't know anime stuff so like i didn't you know even chris you picked up on the the sister's name being something from final fantasy 6 or whatever and i i had no idea and i was just like okay so i think if you know because i'm not steeped in this particular subculture I'm not getting these references, and so a lot of it was just lost on me. I mean, I'm a little bit closer to where this could have been brewed, let's say. And even I didn't really find it funny most of the time. It has this, like, strain of, like, lol, so random monkey cheese farts kind of humor thing happening here that has never really been my style. And as you said, humor is an extremely subjective thing. It's also very difficult to do in text. Audio visual (laughs) mediums tend to excel at humor because you can get tone of voice or, you know, visuals can add a lot of dimensions to humor. I think, you know, even in the books that I have found like most funny, I'm not like laughing out loud a lot. It's more of that like sensible chuckle kind of like uh, kind of thing in your own head or like expelling air out of your nose thing. I think the reference you made to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is an apt one because to me, that is like the funniest book I've ever read. That whole series, in fact, um, from book one to like so long and thanks for all the fish. That is to me the epitome of humor in text. Most of the stuff Douglas Adams writes is is up there too. Um, And when I was reading this, it's like, even though there was a couple of jokes that we pointed out that were pretty good, for the most part, I was groaning in a not good way when I read this. I mean, you have stuff like the inserting celebrities thing here. Like, lol, it's Michael Jackson for a chapter. Like, I feel like the funny part, the, the joke there is that you're saying Michael Jackson. And that's like, oh, he's the guy that says hee hee and like does funny dance moves. And he's there extremely briefly. And there's Schwarzenegger with like his funny accent. Ha ha funny. And Willem Dafoe. There was a joke about him being Willem Friend at first. And then he turns into Willem Dafoe when he becomes evil, which is... I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and you know, and part of me is like, well, and, and this applies to kind of all of this humor stuff. I was like, well, is it in here 
because the author actually thinks it's funny or is it in here because it's satire and he's making fun of other people doing this thing? That's what I was trying to really wrap my head around here, yeah. Paris. Is this like a yeah. send-up of like Maradonia-style stuff? Because at times it does feel as disjointed as a Maradonia. I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. I would not make that comparison. But yeah, I was trying to figure out if they were like, if they included this stuff because they actually think it's funny, or are they making fun because it's satire? Are they making fun of other people who do things like? throw in celebrities for cheap laughs. But then, I don't know, but then it just kept happening so much that I was like, no, they must think this is funny. I, I don't know. Jury is, jury is out. Unsure. Um, I, so, okay, so when I, earlier I was just talking about how I felt like I was really missing stuff in here. I don't know if it's just because like I'm an old person now or like what? I think I'm too old. I just turned 33, so I think I've aged out of like the, the demographic for this book maybe because I never understood the fellas thing or why funny was spelled with an I instead of a Y and why silly was a harsh slur. And I was like, what did I, what am I missing? Like, am I the idiot here? Is this stuff actually funny or some internet reference that I just missed? I think the whole funny, silly thing was like, you know, it's kind of funny to see misspelled words. Like when you like doge stuff, Cam has cheeseburger okay. from like internet cats kind of thing. And I think yeah. the whole joke with silly being a slur is like the fact that it is kind of inexplicable. It's like, why are you reacting that horribly to it? Like, is the joke? So this is going to be like Paris and Chris try to explain the jokes to themselves, the <laughs> podcast here. Just... I, I just, yeah, just none of it was especially funny to me. But again, I feel like it's because I'm, maybe just not the target audience for this because I'm missing the subcultural context from which these jokes arrive. So it's tough to to say like, oh, this wasn't funny, but I it if I don't have the if I'm not part of the appropriate subculture yeah. that these jokes are drawing from, then I mm, I don't know, maybe maybe this does work for other people. Just because we're not we're saying it's not funny doesn't mean it's objectively not funny, right? Yeah, I think that I just it didn't have I don't know, it's almost like watching people tell jokes in another language and you're just like, okay, I can see other people are laughing, but I don't have I don't have the tools to understand it because I don't <laughs> speak that language. Hey, speaking, speaking of other languages. Yeah, actually this is a good it's a good uh segue. A lot of the book, there's characters that will speak in different languages and it'll be written out in different languages. So like the whole joke character of Christian and Francois, which is just Christian, but lol, he's French. And like, so his dialogue is all written out in French. And I wasn't going to sit there and try to translate the French. Yeah. And it's not like there's a ton of context clues from other characters to let you know exactly what he's saying. So I would just skim over that. And that happened also yeah. in like Japanese and Hindi a little bit, a little German here and there too. So maybe Kai like actually knows a lot of these languages. Are you just kind of flexing here or like? I, you... I don't know. I I think, yeah, like my biggest issue is that most of the time the non-English dialogue is not able to be understood from context. So like, as much as I don't expect an author to directly translate stuff all the time, the reader should be able to at least get a sense of what is said from the surrounding context. Otherwise, this just feels like a lot of wasted effort for the author and extra levels of confusion for the reader. And part of me wonders if that's what they were going for, if they just wanted to add more layers of confusion because they were trying to pump up the absurdity. Uh, but I don't know. It seemed like the passages in other languages were uh, correct. I don't know. I mean, I don't know enough. I don't know Russian or French, but like they looked, they looked I'm like assuming they there was said some things. help given or maybe it's just Google translated or something. Uh, maybe. And like, look, it's not like I haven't ever honed at a baguette in my life or like you <laughs> haven't. What's funny about a baguette? I don't know, but, you know, you hold one up and you do the the French laugh thing. That's, like, a joke that I've made before, so it's not like I'm 
better than that kind of a thing of the joke is like lol french kind of a thing and like you know paris we what are like 15 percent of our jokes on this podcast is just doing boston accent which is not a language thing but it's like you know it's in that same vein maybe a little bit Mm, yeah but but like all the direct dialogue being in that other language and like you having almost no recourse unless you're gonna go and type that stuff into google translate I'm not gonna go do that, bro. <laughs> yeah. I, so again, I I wonder at the purpose of it because it it just seems like it was it must have taken more effort, you know, for the author to create these other sentences and phrases and pieces of dialogue in other languages and have them correct. It's like and like like Chris, like you said earlier, you know, you end up just kind of skimming over it and not caring because there's no way for you to understand through context what it even could mean. So, but again, was that the purpose to make it more confusing? Everyone else in the story understands and replies in English. Well, no, they often say, well, I don't understand what you said, but. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. I feel that's true. That's true. It does vary. Um, Anyway, look, I think we get that this is supposed to be a literal notepad of random ideas that are kind of barely strung together by a narrative. I get that that's kind of the point here, but when you have a chapter with like a ghost tiger and then a hair cutting octopus and then Michael Jackson, like these things that appear for a single chapter and are never brought up again, it really just makes me feel like I wasted my time reading them. Yeah. Because I'm trying to, like, I again, even though it's absurd, I am still trying to keep track of some things. So, like, at the very least, we can do a sort of a critique of this. So I, I'm trying not to skim everything and try to, like, put my mental energy towards, like, okay, do I have to remember <laughs> the haircutting octopus? Is Michael Jackson going to appear later? I, like, tried to, like, especially, like, the Beetlejuice 4 people, I thought that was going to be, like, a cool B-plot that showed up later on. Like, yeah. literally crash lands into the characters at some point for some absurdity. But, like, it happened happens twice and then never again it it just leaves me frustrated ultimately yeah i know um and i know that you were also frustrated by a few other things um where i guess you said the narrator just kind of gives up trying to describe things where they'll say something like and he did something to it or and it looked like something um, for for me, I don't know. It just feels like it's intentional to add to the. Oh, this there's clearly like, intense behind it, but like I, that's also not a funny joke to me. Yeah, I know. I agree. Um, yeah, and then the, like Jeff Jiffy Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg being the evil guys. It's like eh, I get you know that's kind of the easy know. villain, right? Like because like I don't think anyone is a huge fan of those two. Except people that, like, really suck off billionaires for being, like, pioneers of business and job creators, like, that type of thing. So it, you know, it's kind of easy villains. It also kind of feels like at, like, halfway through the story, like, it was originally going to be the Jeff Bezos. It's it's just Jeff Bezos, but, okay, by the way, here's my theory about why Jeff Bezos <laughs> is Jiffy Bezos, but Mark Zuckerberg is just Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, what's, th- what's your theory? I think because the intent was to put this on Amazon, I, I think you can't just write stuff about Jeff Bezos and, like, put it on Amazon self-published it. There might be some kind of weird, like, tracking mechanism to make sure no one's putting, like, we should all murder Jeff Bezos or something. I don't like. Th- no, there's no way that's a thing. So I, then why, why is right. Jeff given a stand-in name, but Mark isn't? I don't know, Chris. Why is Jeff the only celebrity with the stand-in name? I don't know. Even though calling him a celebrity feels wrong, too. Well, he's a well-known person, so I guess sure. I, I guess that that works. But I I, I can't understand that's, that. Um, that's just my theory. There is you know some kind of weird Amazon tracking thing that like picks up on books that mention Jeff Bezos a lot or something like that. But anyway, back to the original point of that, like, you just sort of swap him out for this other billionaire guy that nobody likes yeah. is, I don't know, it, just, it that's another 
frustrating part of me trying to keep track of like what should I be paying attention to here and maybe that was me being in the wrong in like but just by like what chapter 15 I should have realized that like I shouldn't be trying to keep track of any of this shit yeah I mean I was only keeping track of things because I was writing the summary this time around so but yeah I mean you probably could have just and I guess like again back to our broader point like the summary is funnier overall than the book itself yeah. Well, also because it's just a lot because it's it's a lot of time investment for very little humorous reward, right? But the summary that I wrote only goes on for I don't know, 10 minutes or something. So and you know, I ha- obviously have shortened things and like kind of pushed them right up against each other, which heightens the absurdity um or at least, you know, turns up the contrast on it. So maybe that's why. But yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Like, I know the point of this is to be pointless and absurd, and I think the and even though the author's clear about that, I'm just not into that. I I don't know. It's again, this is just not for me. It's not. Yeah, I for wouldn't Paris. say I was entertained, and I wouldn't no. recommend this to people. Mm, I I would only recommend it if I knew that someone was part of this same sort of like video game internet meme subculture like deep into it because they would probably find it a lot funnier than we did i also would probably recommend this to someone younger than us you know yeah so i don't know i guess if i knew someone who was maybe like 20 years old and i knew was like deep into internet memes i might be like oh i don't know maybe this you know and the, and i knew that they liked reading i don't know like fan fiction or something i might be like yeah you know, this might be for you, but I don't think I would generally recommend it. No, this is this is like too much of a niche thing that I don't think has like a wide enough um audience appeal. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't. And again, also, like, I, it's I feel okay to conflicted. be niche. It's okay to be niche. Yeah. You and I make niche music. That's true. That's true. All right. Uh, do you have anything else to add, Paris? Uh, I think we can move to the can we fix it section. Yeah, so for me... Can we fix it? Yeah, like, again, because this is might not be for us, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, oh, go back to the drawing board on this whole thing. I don't think you should, like, redo this. Yeah. It, it's... it. My recommendation to, to the author here is to go and read funny novels. Maybe, like, try to detach yourself a little bit from, like, the internet meme style of humor and, like, because that's, like, a different medium, right? That's a different way to experience humor. And if you're trying to write a long-form narrative, I might recommend reading books by, like, notoriously funny authors. Like, go read a bunch of Douglas Adams or Terry Pratchett or even some Neil Gaiman stuff can be kind of funny here and there, too. In that, I'm sure there's other authors there, but, like, Terry Pratchett and Douglas Adams are kind of, like, my two top-tier ones. And, like, even though, you know, so many people say, like, oh, analyzing the jokes kills the humor, like, legit comedians and stuff do that to sort of, like, understand the structure of a joke, how context matters and that kind of thing. So I would do that. Like, go read funny books and break down why is this making me laugh? Why is this funny to me? And try to implement some of that in your future writing. I'm going to agree that there's a spark here. This is way better than a lot of the stuff that I was creating at that age that a lot of adults are creating. But I think that spark needs a lot more kindling. And I would encourage you to keep trying and honing this until, because like I said, there's a spark here. Just add to it. Yeah. um, Yeah. I I mean, I agree with what you said, although I don't, as much as I do like some Gaiman or Gaiman Gaiman. I never know how to pronounce his last name. As much as I do like some of his stuff, I don't remember it being particularly funny. Um, I could just be thinking of Good Omens, which he wrote with Terry Pratchett. Oh, yeah. I've never seen... I've never read it or seen it. Um, but in any case, um, I do... I And I've also never read any Douglas Adams uh, or Shame, Terry Pratchett. Shame, actually. I've I will shame read, you for that, I have Paris. never. I've never read any of these things. Um, but I, I did see the Hitchhiker's Guide movie, which is how I knew any any which was my one reference i like honestly Um, whenever anyone asks me like for a book to read recommendation the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy series is my number one book recommendation period huh i actually don't think i knew that and i'm sort of surprised by it 
because I saw the movie and I thought it was fine, but I was like, I, it I loses so much of what's good about it. Like the movie is a pale comparison mm. to how good the book is. The books books are. It's a five book series. Yeah, noted. And like Terry Pratchett, I do really want to read his stuff because I've read I've read like snippets or chapters from his stuff, and I think it's excellent. Um, but I've just never I don't know somehow I've just never sat down and just read a whole ass Terry Pratchett book. Um, book confessions with Paris and Chris. Uh, anyway, back to back to what I think could be fixed about this. So my first recommendation is that a lot of this could be cut, and it would still feel delightfully absurd absurd without making me feel like I wasted a bunch of time. So for example, like Michael Jackson, the Schwarzenegger exterminator, the octopus hairdresser, honestly, everything on that global journey before they get to Egypt. Um, Also, like the celebrities really need to go in general. I think if you replaced a lot of that stuff with more of the Beetlejuice 4 story, I think it'd be a lot better. And it would leave me looking forward to that eventual conference, eventual, um, it would leave me looking forward to that eventual confrontation or or not they don't have these two storylines don't have to necessarily intersect but it would be more interesting to have another full storyline happening i think it would actually kind of enhance the you know confusion and absurdity a little bit because you'd have two parallel things happening um but again they don't they don't have to intersect although they could and that would be fun too my like second a really funny I was going to start to interrupt you, Paris, but I think actually a really funny joke would be like to frame it as if these two are going to collide and then like towards the end, they like just miss each other. Yeah. Or I mean, or they do meet each other, but they just have no idea that their fates are related or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, my second biggest recommendation would be to really focus on rethinking each joke. And again, this is sort of what Chris said earlier. And I say this because they just feel, a lot of them feel overly niche. But this is, again, this is coming from someone outside of deep internet nerd culture. If there are people who genuinely find pivot stick figures and poop socks and pee pee poo poo man funny when presented in this way, then maybe I'm just a stupid old person and fuck me. You know, I don't know. But Could be. It doesn't, it Could doesn't be fuck work yourself, for me. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe fucking eat myself out the window, right? Like. Anyway, um, I guess that's that's sort of all we have to say. Um, I uh, although I don't know, I do want to button this up with just returning to um, our earlier comments. Kai, thank you for uh, recommending this. I think it was really different from anything we've read before. Absolutely, you know, it's just a wild ride for us. We've never read a serialized novel. We've never read something a patron has recommended. Um, and I really think you have. You have the bones of a good writer, and I think that you are going to produce things in the future that are great, Um, you know, and maybe you're always going to make things that just aren't for me. They're not in my niche, you know, they're not in my little nerd nest over here in this corner, you know, us early 30s nerds that are just (laughs) so (laughs) divorced from some of this stuff. Um, But anyway, yeah, I don't please don't take any of these criticisms as us saying that oh you should just throw it on fucking set it on fire like no i think just keep working at it you know i think it i think you really got um you got some talent in there and um i'm interested to see what you make in the future i would agree wholeheartedly i would say and i don't think we've ever been like this person this person should stop writing entirely except maybe someone uh, like truly out there I think we have a few times because we <laughs> the were woman like, you marry person should definitely stop writing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, or like, no, I think we were just like, man, you got to get command of a language before you write <laughs> yeah, anything. That's like true. that's, I, I mean, it's just an essential kind of aspect of yeah. written communication. Kai certainly has command to... of English yes. and maybe a few other languages. So. Maybe, uh, maybe, but yeah. Anyway, thank you, oh, thank you very much for your support of the show. We hope that this episode was, I don't know, enlightening, fun. You know, you can make fun of us, just old geriatric millennials, you know, trying to read something from a young person. (laughs) I don't know. That's the other thing is like, they're still fairly young from what we can tell. So that just means you have all that time to improve and work. Yeah. Um, You know, or to just continue creating things that aren't for us. That's also okay. Also fine. Yeah. Like it does not everything has to be for us. Uh, and that's that's totally fine. That's what makes um the absurdity of life interesting and fun. Because ultimately, you're right, Kai. Nothing matters. So why not have a good time?
All right. Why don't we thank the patrons? All right. Thank you, patrons. Firstly, of course, thank you. Eternal eternal thanks to Kai. Uh, thank you to the rest of our patrons. Dari, Greg, Veronica, Will, D, Jared, Lynn, Sinya, Yakub, Lycoris, Elliot, Kieran, Martin, Jay, Scott G, Luchek, CTAP1, Miri, Bianca, David, Anya, Anonymous, Patricia, Austin, Donnie, Crimson Paladin, Callum, Beast with the Least, Archagent Everlasting, Who does Caroline, not want to be here. Does not want to be here. <laughs> uh, Scott H. and our Kofi donor, Laxotes. All right, Paris. I just really wanted that shout out to Archagent, who does not want to exist or be here. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm with you, Arch. Arch, Arch and I are fucking, <laughs> fucking tight. All right. Um... I guess with that, we will uh, send you off into the void of existence where nothing matters. So please have a good time. uh, Treat other people well. And we will see you in two weeks. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Terrible Book Club. Terrible Book Club is an independent podcast produced by your hosts, Paris and Chris. Sound design and audio editing by Chris with sound effects and music by Epidemic Sound and sometimes also Chris. Our theme song is Kiss by Yearn, which is, you guessed it, actually, also Chris. You can find more of his soothing synthy sounds on Bandcamp at yearn.bandcamp.com. Do you want us to review a book of your choice on the show? Do you want access to some extra audiovisual weirdness? If so, become a patron at patreon.com slash terriblebookclub. If you'd like to send us a one-time tip instead, you can do that at ko-fi.com slash terriblebookclub. You can also support TBC for free by sharing the show on social media, following our accounts on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or Goodreads, telling your friends about your favorite episode, or by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or anywhere else on the internet. To send us book recommendations or your adorable pet photos, send an email to terriblebookclub at gmail.com. <laughs> How does that meth feel, Chris? I might have to go stir some beans.